You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good morning, Vietnam! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that It's a tough act to follow there, Robin Williams. Uh, he sets the bar so high. I honestly didn't even think about that until I was about to say whatever it is I say. And then just this anxiety came over me, like, why did you play Good Morning Vietnam? you got to, like, match that intensity now or you sound like a loser. That's all right. It's worth it, man. It's a great... Great, uh, great thing. It's a great thing that happened, also known as a movie. So as per usual, yesterday on the podcast, I told you we were going to do something, and then we didn't do it, and so we're going to do it today. And what that thing is, is to tell you kind of old news that I should have told you a day or two ago and then forgot a couple times, and, and hopefully, by the time the rambling is done, I will remember to do that thing. Otherwise, we'll just talk about something else. It doesn't, you know, we're going to have a show, and I... I I hope that's what you're here for, the, the thing that we're going to eventually talk about. But first, because I feel like, you know, I kind of want to just get it out of the way so I can launch into it. I feel like the more professional thing to do would be like, give them a little, give them a little taste, give them some content, talk about some good stuff, then do your little dumb little sales pitch over here, then take a break and then do your thing, right? But the problem is, when I start, I can't stop. And then I just steamroll my responsibilities, and that's not good for me personally so patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast it would be greatly appreciated you can do it for as little as a dollar a month for fun i googled things that you can buy for a dollar for the price of a mcdonald's coffee a song on itunes scissors at office depot and a temporary tattoo you can help out the Packernet Pod. Just, I'm just asking you for a temporary tattoo per month. That's it. St- strangely, that's that's uh, it's actually what I plan on using it for. But um, not all of your money. Just enough that I can do like a sweet sleeve with temporary tattoos. Everything else beyond that goes to help support the podcast. Just one sleeve, not two. I'm curious how much money I've lost by joking about nonsense I'm going to spend the money on and people actually believe me and say, I'm not giving them my money. Wish there was a way I could calculate that. It'd be a little bit funny. Anyways, otherwise, make sure you are in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. We're running through. Let's let's look at this, actually. Sorry if it just got louder. I realized I can see on my thing that it's like it looks very quiet, so I moved the mic closer to my mouth, and now it looks like it's blasting loud. It's amazing what a half inch can do. Calm down. But in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group currently, um, I'm still running my favorite current Packer poll. And so far, we've got 11 Green Bay Packers. Here is the list thus far. Aaron Rodgers, Zadarius Smith, this is in order, obviously. 
Devontae Adams coming in third, Aaron Jones in fourth, Jair Alexander fifth, David Bakhtiari sixth, Kenny Clark seventh, Alan Lazard eighth, Mason Crosby ninth, Jamal Williams tenth, Darnell Savage eleventh, and it looks like Preston Smith is going to be twelfth. Now the biggest problem with doing these kinds of polls is the absolute refusal by 45 to somewhere in the 60% range of people to read anything here. To just refuse to read it. They see a poll, they see Packer players, and they just start voting. I've got people asking me, like, hey, where's Aaron Rodgers? He's number one on the list, dude. Come on! I've got a, the, the other thing is, and I, I, it wasn't bold, it's not anymore, it's no longer bolded. But I say on here, and I have to spell this out every time, make sure you click to see all the options. Because some people will just see the first five and go, well, I guess this is all I have to vote on. Or, the final thing, people just refuse to read the list. They vote for, you know, they just look at it and go, well, Preston, Amos, King, yeah, Preston makes sense. They don't realize that way down at the bottom is some guy that got way majorly passed over. So the bottom line is, I think people are going to be a little upset by the list, but guess what? You're the one that voted for it. Read the whole thing, and we won't have abominations as polls. But if you want to get in there and help correct it, it looks like Preston's going to walk away with the 12th spot. But after that, we got Amos. King is still on the board. Uh, Kumaro's getting a lot of love. Elton Jenkins is still there. Equinemius. Rashawn Gary gets absolutely no love, which is kind of the reason I did this, because I really want to know what people's opinions of these players are. And I, Actually, it's going to be fun when we get to about that halfway mark where people are indifferent and then start the other path to find out who is disliked the most, because we're rapidly coming to that point. Um, it's amazing to me that guys like J.K. Scott, A.J. Dillon, Mercedes Lewis, Dexter Williams, they're getting votes. Jay Sternberger is not. Christian Kirksey, who a lot of people are talking a big game about loving that guy, not one vote. Boyle shocks me because some people are huge Boyle fans. I have a feeling that we're going to hit a certain point in this poll where Boyle's just going to explode. He's not quite Preston, but the the Boyle loyalists are going to come out for Boyle. Kingsley Kiki, which I'll tell you what, we're going to be doing an episode pretty quickly about not exclusively Kingsley Kiki, but he's one of those guys that's flying under the radar. And I think there's several of them, and that's going to be a fun little episode. Anyways, um, Corey Lindsley, no votes. No love. Raven Green is another one. Huge fan base but nobody has scrolled far enough to see him sitting there. So, Anyways, make sure you're in the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Make sure you're the, the group and like the page and etc. etc. iTunes reviews, the whole shebang shabop. But anyways, let's take a break, and then we'll just, we'll just go, man. I got no restraints. I've got no work today. I would say I've got no responsibilities, but that's not how that works. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So I've got to tread lightly because whenever I talk about COVID, I get slapped in the face. But the news did come out that two of the preseason games would be cut, uh, the first and fourth, which I thought was hilarious that they picked... Like, what difference does it make? We're playing two games. But it, it makes sense when you figure that two games are actually scheduled. So there's two opponents, you know, that are going to be cut. So you got to figure out which ones. So what that would mean, uh, assuming that, first of all, this hasn't changed and uh, whatever. I'm not positive the dates are staying the same, but um, August 15th, the Cardinals-Packers game is canceled. August 22nd, which, by the way, might be premature, but how exciting is it that we're talking about next month? In fact, by the end of this month, Green Bay Packers players are going to be reporting to camp, reporting to whatever's going on. I, I don't know. I don't even know terminology anymore. They're, they're, they're going to go home to Green Bay, do something or another. Um, August 29th, you got Packers versus the Giants, and then the September 3rd game, Packers-Chiefs, has been canceled. The biggest reason this bothers me, leaving health aside, set that aside for one second. The reason that I care the most, because I know most people say, well, nobody cares about preseason anyways. Well, yeah. <laughs> First of all, what is preseason? It's evaluation. We're, we're not going to get a chance to evaluate guys rightly, which means a lot of the guys that maybe aren't exactly... Uh, if the if the if if Matt LaFleur was told, today I need a 53-man roster or whatever roster, I need it. Just do one. He would come up with something. That's kind of where the Packers are at prior to going into camp slash preseason. The point is, the guys that aren't on this list have an opportunity now to get on the list to show that actually I've grown and I'm really talented and I'm better than that guy and, and you should give me a shot. Those guys are not going to be given a shot. If we figure there's going to be one evaluation game and one, you know, Aaron Rodgers game, or maybe they just cut out the, the starter game altogether, I don't know. I actually think that would make the most sense as much as that would be kind of annoying because, as we all know, not having a lot of practice leads to kind of a garbage product for a while with guys not being on the same page, whatever, whatever. The other thing that just kind of stinks, I'm just excited about some of the guys we got. The, one of the the biggest reasons that the draft was somewhat upsetting is because everybody's kind of seen as a backup. Well, we've already got a quarterback and we've already got a running back and Jace is already the tight end and, and Mercedes, so DeGuara is going to be kind of further down the list and, you know, our linebacker is going to be Kirksey. I mean, everybody that we drafted is a backup. All three offensive linemen are backups. We really didn't draft a single starter. I mean, A.J. Dillon is going to play and DeGuara is going to play, but as far as like number one on the on the depth chart, probably not. Preseason though? how I mean, how much, how badly do you just want to watch basically our entire roster playing? Jordan Love with our three new offensive linemen with A.J. Dillon in the backfield and DeGuara at tight end. 
I'm I'm maybe I'm the only, I'm just excited about that. I mean, maybe not necessarily all three offensive linemen. Mix a couple people that have played before, so that you know Jordan Love doesn't get destroyed. And I'd like to see AJ Dillon get at least two yards. Still, I'm just I don't know. I'm just jacked about it. Maybe I'm just jacked about football, and then when preseason comes around, I won't care as much. But I, 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 I'm more excited about preseason because we've got Jordan Love and, and AJ Dillon, et cetera, et cetera, than than usual. I want to. I really want to watch Jordan Love, like really bad. I know it's not going to be perfect. I know there's going to be some ugly stuff. But how badly do you want to just see Jordan Love come out, get those butterflies, and go? Please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. And he comes out and he just dominates, and it's like, yes, we got another one. And you know it's premature, and he's beaten up on third-string guys, but it's still, it's like, it's exciting. It's Jordan Love, dude. He's so good. Air Jordan, man. H-E-I-R. Air Jordan. I just, I don't want to lose that. Um, continuing on with this thought process, the other issue that I'm seeing rapidly develop with the, the COVID situation is, although I still believe the NFL is going to kind of force-feed, force the season, whatever, they're... they're heavy-handed with this. There's going to be football. There's still a lot coming from the other side as far as concessions. Hall of Fame game went, the two preseason games went, and now there's a bunch of of other information that's coming down in terms of this and this and this and this and this and this and this. Add in the fact that, listen, guys are going to get this, and if a player is diagnosed with COVID, which there's almost a 0% chance that no football players are going to get this during the season, they're out for two weeks. The, The point is, Regardless of how much of a season there is or isn't, this is always going to be seen as a year with an asterisk by it. That's the problem. And if you win the Super Bowl this year and you try to talk about it in three, four years, they're going to say, oh, you mean back in that year when, you know, half the league was out with COVID and the other half refused to play? Wow, real cool. You won that year. That's the problem. Now, I I still want it, right? Again, setting health aside, assuming we get the okay from whoever it is that you feel is the person to listen to, assuming they sign off on it. Again, I'm leaving that part of it out. want everybody to be healthy and safe and all that stuff. I still want it because I think we need it. Everybody's going a little crazy, and some football games would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice to get back to the time when we fought each other about who's better, Packers or Vikings? Like, the person you dislike the most on Twitter is that Vikings fan that won't shut his mouth. Man, talk about the good old days, right? That Lions fan that just pops up out of nowhere with his irrelevant nonsense and wants to just gloss over the fact that he's a Lions fan just so he can throw this little stat at you. Well, this is why you're not that great. Or he just jumps on some Bears fan bandwagon, starts attacking the Packers with the Bears fans. Like, excuse me, excuse me, you're a Lions fan. Go, out, out. I don't want to hear it. Get away. Get out of here. Loser. Jeez. These guys are sneaky, man. They just come out of the woodworks. Come out of the forest like little... Forest fairies or groundhogs. One of those two. It's 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 one of those two things. It's like that. You don't know my truth. But anyways, that that's sort of where I'm at is trying to come to grips with the fact that this is not going to be a perfect season, but we're going to get some level of entertainment, and that's it. And it's really going to... I mean, I still want the Packers to win the Super Bowl, don't get me wrong, but if you told me the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl once in the next 10 years, would you like it to be this year? I would say absolutely not. Don't you even dare. You better not. If we get one in the next 10 years and you make it this year, I will never forgive you because this is not the year to win. I mean, just, I have a feeling even saying 2020 in a couple years is going to be offensive. Like, dude, why would you even bring that up? 
Why would you even talk about that? And so even talking about a season in which your team was good, like the 2020 draft class, partially because of who was drafted, maybe, but just the fact that you're saying 2020 is going to be like, dude, chill. Why you got to say it like that? I don't want to hear about your team doing well in 2020. You won what Super Bowl? Ugh. Actually, technically the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, but you know. Another thought, a little bit down the line, not exactly football related, but I'm thinking about, I don't usually stay up for New Year's because I you know, it's just a day and I don't really care and it's late and I'm tired. Very strongly considering doing a live stream and having a massive party for uh, 2021. Not because I think anything's actually going to be better, but symbolically, it'll be nice. So write that on your calendar, Packernet Podcast, Bash a Bonanza 2021. That's the official name, by the way. So don't, don't, try to get cutesy with what you put in your calendar. I want you to put the right thing in there or don't come. Okay, so I feel like I navigated that pretty well, right? Is everybody okay? I didn't hurt anyone's feelings. We're all good. Nobody's offended. Nobody's going to write me letters. Sweet. All right, let's, um, I got a couple different things I can choose from here. Let's get to the question from Kyle from a few days ago. By the way, Packernet Podcast Facebook group, not a bad way to ask questions. Make sure you tag me. If I don't respond or like it or something, um, Maybe tag me again or message me or something because there's there's so many notifications now for all the craziness on Facebook. They're, they're kind of bogging me down. I don't need, just because I comment on something doesn't mean I need to see every notification for it. Anyway, sorry. Just in case uh, Zuckerberg is listening to the show, I know he's a big fan. I don't need to see everything, dude. It's like alarm fatigue. So many notifications. I don't see any of them anymore. Anyways, Kyle says, here you go, Ryan. Which player at which position has the best chance to lead the team in tackles this year? Linebacker or safety? I can see Savage or Amos over Kirksey Burke, Summer Bolton. I think leading the team in tackles can be a dumb stat. Definitely looks good on the resume, but I'd rather have someone with 60 meaningful stops and 120 tackles after five yards. So I agree with you on the second sentiment. I'm guessing you only posted that to dissuade anyone that thinks that you're asking that because you think it's important i don't know but yeah i agree so i could really drag this out but let me just summarize this pretty quickly if kirksey is the new um blake martinez in other words he's the linebacker and he's out there most of the time and he's kind of the lone linebacker out there and he's healthy throughout the year 0.000 percent chance in my mind it's anybody other than kirksey that that gets the tackles and I don't think it's going to be close. Now, again, I, I could continue to further speculate, but I don't know that the tackle thing is, is uh, that interesting of a question to go super in-depth on it. But obviously, if Christian Kirksey gets hurt, um, essentially what you would have is Kirksey splits his, let's say he gets 110 tackles. If he gets hurt halfway through the season, then he gets like 55, and somebody else gets about 55. Then, yeah, I could see a guy like Amos taking that spot. Now, first of all, um, if you're curious... Linebackers and safeties dominate the category of tackles. Probably not very surprising. Um, some people might think maybe defensive tackles and edge rushers also would be up there. No, it's safeties and linebackers, and that's that's it. I think it's the first, the top 17. I say 17. I'm, I'm going off the top of my head, but I think it's 17. But there's three guys that tied for 17th. One of them is a corner. So you have to get to 17th. And actually, technically, if there's three of them, it would be the top of the top 19. One is a corner, the rest are linebackers and safeties. The vast majority of those, I should, uh, yeah, I think it is. I think I wrote it right here. Yep, my numbers are wrong. Um, 20 of the top 25 are linebackers. Five of them are safeties. The only reason I kind of mix them and say linebackers and safeties 
is because safeties kind of also dominate the category. Not not very many. It's mostly linebackers, but it's not like the top 10 are all linebackers. I think the number one was a safety, like the number three or four was a safety. So guessing safety to actually lead not only your team, but the league is not impossible. But for the most part, it's going to be a linebacker. But if we look at the Packers specifically, Adrian Amos was number two last year with 80 tackles. I think Blake Martinez had like 120-ish. And Christian Kirksey, when you look at when he was a starter, basically only two years when he played like a full season, he had over 100. I think he had 111 and 113 tackles. The other aspect of this is Adrian Amos with his 80 tackles, way, 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 way more than he'd ever had before. I think the two years with the Bears, he was in like the 60-ish range. It was a massive spike, maybe because of the difference in how we're playing him here. Also, probably a lot to do with the fact that in Chicago, they did a much better job against the run up front, meaning a lot less seeped through the defensive tackles, edge rushers, linebackers, and got to Amos. So Amos had to do a lot more cleaning up, which is the other aspect of this. You could say, well, you know, Kirksey isn't as good as Blake as far as tackles, so more guys are going to get through, so Amos is going to get maybe marginally, but again, Kirksey gets roughly the same amount as Blake. Blake did get a lot of tackles. But there's no way in my mind that Christian Kirksey is going to end up with like 90 tackles and Amos is going to be over 100, or whatever the case would be. Again, assuming Kirksey is the guy, and even if Kirksey isn't the guy, if, uh, geez, I already forgot the guy's name. If, you know, Kamal Martin gets that job, fine, then I think Kamal Martin's going to lead the team in tackles. Um, also, if you factor in, you know, again, Amos was way higher than normal. There's a good chance that he's going to be less than 80. You look at Savage possibly taking a step, getting a little bit better. He may be more involved, which would bring down Amos, bring up Savage. It's just, it's, it's, it's almost assuredly going to be the linebacker, unless there's kind of mix and match or whatever, but fairly straightforward question on that, I think. Um, another question from quite a while ago, this is actually uh, Nico posted a comment on something I posted in the Facebook page, but uh, talking about Elton Jenkins, he says, did he play any tackle in college? We want a long-term tackle on the right. Could he be it? In short, no. Um, Yes to the question, did he play tackle in college? He played, I think, every position, but I think this whole Elton to tackle thing is similar to although obviously not identical to, because we're talking about, in this case, Elton being very good. But a lot of times we hear people say, well, he's, maybe we should just move him to safety, which, as you maybe know if you've been listening, is one of my pet peeves. Not because it's never true or, or can't help, but I just don't think we appreciate how different certain positions are and also how impossible it would be from my standpoint to be able to say that, which is why it annoys me when so many people, I'm talking about people with like websites, writing articles or whatever, talk about how he would be a good fit there. Like, you don't know that. You just, you just don't know that. It's worth a try, but you don't know that. But um, very, very limited amount of snaps at tackle in college. Um, he played 49 career games, 34 starts at Mississippi State. Um, it says he played four different positions on the offensive line. 26 of those were at center, five starts at left tackle, two at left guard, one at right tackle. So he never played right guard, which is strange. Um, as a little bit of a refresher here, I went back and looked at what PFF had to say about him. Um, in their draft guide, they actually had him as their number one offense, interior offensive lineman in the whole draft class. Their little tidbit about him says the Mississippi State Center allowed all of five pressures this past season on 369 pass blocking snaps. Now, I think one of the interesting things they said, which is kind of exciting in a way, because we don't really know how this offensive line is going to shape up. We need a new tackle. We're not sure what the thing is with Billy Turner. On one hand, we look at it and say, we probably should try to replace him. On the other hand, we kind of look at him and say, well, he's a swing tackle option. I don't really like that option. But 
you know, he's played tackle, and, and from what I can see, at least from PFF grades, he plays as well at tackle as he does at guard. Take that for whatever it's worth. But the point is, and, and we don't know what's going on with Lindsley, I, I, I look at Elton Jenkins and I say he could play anywhere from left guard, center, and right guard. However, I think it's very clear, and this was elaborated on by PFF, that Elton's actual best position is center, which kind of gets you excited. On, on one hand, I still want him to be a guard. He's a good guard. I think he's still got a little bit of, of work to do. I think maybe Packer fans especially overhype him, like, oh, he's already one of the best guards in football. No, he's not. He's pretty far from that. But for a rookie, he did, he did a really good job, especially in terms of obviously giving up sacks because he didn't give up any. And if that's the only thing you care about, then I guess he had a perfect season. But he's still got a ways to go. But the exciting thing is, if he ends up playing center, he's got that upside to be one of the better centers in football. He played at a position he's not quite as good at and did a fantastic job. In terms of his ability to move outside, I'm not interested in that. I mean, again, it's not an exact thing, but I tend to look at it as you work from the outside in and inside out. You got a guy who's really good as a center. He's less good as a guard. I don't think he's going to be very good at a tackle spot. Now, could he be better at somebody? I, I, look, I just think he is what he is. I think he's an interior offensive lineman. I think he's good at it. I don't think we drop him at tackle and that becomes our thing. Um, I think we have a guy that is a decent tackle. He's a step back from Balaga, but he's still a decent enough tackle. Um, and the Packers have to find a solution outside of that. And I've, I've stated this before, I think, in the 2021 draft, free agency and beyond. The primary focus for 2021 is not a, a wide receiver, not linebacker. I think it's offensive line. I think that is by far the biggest need. Not just because we need a right tackle, but I think we might need a right guard because I think we might need a center. I think there are questions about whether David Bakhtiari is coming back. This thing could implode rapidly. Right now, the only guy that we know is a long-term solution is Elton Jenkins. Now, I, I, I don't know how you can let Lindsley and Bakhtiari walk and replace your right guard and right tackle. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it's, it's the biggest reason I'm opposed to the David Bakhtiari walking thing. Although I understand it, and the Packers don't typically do it, and I do think Bakhtiari might be taking a slight step back. As weird as it sounds, you know, well, no, he had still had a great... He did, but if you look at, for example, his grades and even his stats, it was not quite as elite as it had been in the past. And if you look at guys like uh, Mike Daniels, for example, he took a slight step back. Still a good football player, but he took a step back. You look at his age, you look at where his contract's at, you look at the fact that he's clearly moving in the wrong direction. The Packers are like, all right, I see the writing on the wall, and they move on. The Packers love getting out in front of that stuff. They don't wait until you're bad. They get rid of you before you're bad. And I'm not saying Bakhtiari is going to be bad this year at all. But again, the, the reason why I think it it seems impossible to me is because, again, we don't have any we don't have anything really locked up along this offensive line. So massive, massive, massive need. Um, and again, obviously it's impossible to speculate at this point because we don't know what the salary cap is going to be, so in terms of who we're keeping, but also what we can do in free agency. So the draft is just... It's massive, and fortunately, it is a pretty good, seemingly pretty good offensive line class. We'll have to see how that develops. But anyways, um, no, I don't think Elton's going to be moving to tackle. I do think anywhere from left guard, center, and right guard, I could see him playing. Right guard is a bit of a question mark just because he's never played there, so maybe he's a little bit more questionable. I think the Packers would try him there if that became the biggest thing, but I think he's most comfortable at left guard, and if they need to move him to center, they probably will. Remember, we just drafted three six-round pick guys. My hope is that one of them can be kind of decent, but it is possible if we stick around with Billy Turner for a while, 
one of these guys coming up is a decent enough guard. We could see Elton kick into center with Lindsley uh, being given the boot. A lot of different possibilities, but Elton to tackle is not one of them. In my opinion, we'll have to see. I, I don't I don't think it would work if they did it, and I don't think the Packers are even entertaining it. I kind of buried some more news in my notes. It's not really news. I don't know why that everybody makes such a big deal out of it, other than it happens during the doldrums of, of football news. But A.J. Dillon was signed, and obviously Jordan Love, uh, I think a little before or after that was signed, whatever. I, I just... Everybody gets signed. <laughs> they they all get... It's, a, it's always like a big, like, whoa, he just got... It's official now. It's always been official, man. They're just working out the details. I, I don't know. It's always been one of the stranger things for me through the entire football year is when everybody makes a massive deal out of a uh, rookie getting their contract. Now, if you're kind of a numbers nerd or whatever, you kind of dive into the numbers, although... The numbers are relatively set in terms of like how much you're going to get paid. So maybe it's just the structure or how much is guaranteed, which I kind of thought was almost all guaranteed. I don't know. Either way, it's just it's strange to me. People freak out like, dude, it's official. We signed him. What what did you think was going to happen? Were you worried that he was he was just going to be like, nah, nah. I actually I uh, I got a communications degree. I think I'm going to explore that. You know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Football, you know, they're they're messing around with these numbers. I'm just not comfortable with, uh, you know, the two and a half million they're offering in the first year, and, and you know, it's just the structure of it. My uncle's got a company, you know, it's uh he's trying to get it off the ground. I feel like I could offer my support, uh, possibly develop into a real nice position for me. I, I don't know. It's just it's just weird to me. That's all. I guess I don't know. Kind of at a tough spot here. I th- I think I'm gonna do one more. I wanted to look a little bit more into it, but. Meh. I don't want to get into some of this other stuff because it's a little bit more in-depth and we're kind of closing in on the end, but I want to do something a little bit more interesting. Uh, Mr. JJ had brought to my attention an article, and we weren't even sure who wrote it. Somebody, I believe, at the Wall Street Journal. I don't know. But their conclusion, or at least the title, alluded to the fact that there is a concern that we're going to struggle with the Jacksonville Jaguars because they have Leonard Fournette and the Packers struggle against the run. Look, man, there's a lot of people that have careers or are trying to start careers talking about, writing about, doing videos about the Packers, about football. Whatever. I, that's awesome. Not trying to trash anybody that's in it, trying to get in it, whatever. But what in the world are you doing, man? You work for the for the... Did I say Wall Street Journal? I feel like I said Wall Street... I don't know. The Journal Sentinel is, is what I meant to say. It's, uh, I've noticed that it's like a race with this podcast between which one's going to go first, my voice or my brain. One of them's going to go. And I think part of the problem is because I had a little bit extra time, I actually made a pot of coffee and I actually used creamer with real sugar and treat myself a little bit. And I think my brain is just like getting lazy now. Like he's just having a party up there. Dude, real coffee and sugar. Woo. I don't know. But as much as I, I, I'm so happy for people that have, have uh, realized their dreams. Here's what I'll say. And this is something that I have to remind myself all the time because I've, I've made this mistake and I, I don't even have like a thing yet. This is still barely a hobby. So I'm not trying to act like I've, I've arrived. I've arrived at nothing. Something I still have to remind myself, don't get comfortable. Don't start getting lazy just because you got a thing going here. And I feel like... If you've gotten to the point where you're concerned about the Jaguars because the Packers are bad against the run, I've got a a handful of objections, quite a few. And I wanted to at least not just go at him, but at least correct one thing in particular. So 
A couple things first. Let me read. This is it says Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. That is the official thing. I want to read the title just so we're I'm being fair on what it actually says. And I, you know, it's a paywall, so I don't feel bad about not reading the context. If you want me to actually read the context of the article, stop making me pay for stuff that isn't that interesting. But the title says Jaguars bruising Leonard Fournette looms as a load for the Packers' shaky run defense. So I want to get the lesser parts of the point out of the way um, in terms of why I think this is silly, first of all, and then get to the crux of what I'm trying to say. First of all, um, depending on where you look, and I I don't know that I even necessarily agree, but tankathon.com is one of the sites that I use a lot when it comes to the draft and everything else. They currently have the Jaguars getting the number one overall pick, which is to say they are arguably the worst team in all of football. I would say the Washington Redskins, but fine, Jacksonville. If you are worried, and I understand it's different for different reasons and it's because of Leonard Fournette, whatever. If you're worried about the Jaguars, I don't think there's a team the Packers are going to play this year that you shouldn't be worried about. If we can't beat the Jaguars because they have a, a, a strong, powerful running back or whatever, um, the Vikings are going to destroy us. The Detroit Lions now have two pretty talented running backs. The Saints are going to annihilate us. The Falcons now have Todd Gurley at running back, so that's game over. The Buccaneers just drafted Keyshawn Vaughn on top of Ronald Jones going into his second year. What's his third year already? Oh, never mind. All right, well, whatever. They got Keyshawn Vaughn, so that's... I mean, again, if it's just about a running back with no respect to the offensive line or anything else that they've got going on, should at least be a little bit concerned. What if he's good? And if you're not worried about Keyshawn Vaughn, then there's a whole quarterback and everything else. Uh, Vikings again, 49ers, obviously. Maybe we're not worried about the Texans? I mean, we should be a little bit, but if, again... If the crux of the argument is running backs, then, you know, David Johnson, maybe he had one good year once. The Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor, so we got to go up against him. So we're not going to win that game, obviously. The Bears don't really have a running back, so we could probably win that one. The Eagles obviously destroyed us on the ground last year, so we got to worry about that. The Lions, again, are going to beat us. The Panthers have Christian McCaffrey, so we're not going to win that. And then the Titans have Derrick Henry, so they're going to annihilate us, and then we'll beat the Bears. So we're going to win about three games. I'm obviously being facetious. But, dude, there's a lot of running backs in the NFL. Lots of them. Yeah, but not like Leonard Fournette, man. Yeah, yeah, there are. Leonard Fournette, um, first of all, the Jaguars don't want Leonard Fournette there, and Leonard Fournette doesn't want to be there. It's a toxic environment. That's number one. Number two, let's just start with the PFF grades, um, 62, 70, and 64. Never even had one good year, according to his grades, anyways. PFF has never watched him once in three years and said, this is a good running back, ever. I mean technically good in 2018 because it was 70.9 but i mean comparatively the guy just he doesn't even rank very high. i don't know if he's ever been a top 10 running back no i understand that might seem silly because he's very very big and he gets you know 1100 yards in a season and even his yards per carry are, are decent at 4.3 this past year although that was a ridiculously high number compared to his 3.3 and 3.8 the previous year but it just it's silly but but i want to i want to move past that. Leonard Fournette is not as good as, as everyone's making him out to be. He's, he's, I mean, he's giant. He's a massive human being. He's extremely athletic. He's never really reached his full potential. Maybe that has to do with the offensive line. I don't know, but the whole thing's silly. But here, here's the main part that I wanted to get to that I want to somewhat correct. It's the part at the end where it says the Packers shaky run defense. The Packers clearly had problems against the run a couple times. Against the 49ers, And against the Eagles, it was just embarrassing. But I don't want to forget the fact that the Packers completely shut down Dalvin Cook 
in Minnesota. They also did a pretty good job of him the last time, too, despite the stats. If you look at the stat, oh, look at that. He got, you know, seven yards per carry. Yeah, he had like a 75-yard run for a touchdown. Outside of that, the defense completely shut down the Vikings, including on the ground. Shut down might be an exaggeration, but they did fine. It was not a problem. I mean, if we look at it and say 4.2 is pretty standard, you know, the, the only teams that really ran for lots of yards would be the Washington Redskins, 6.2 yards per carry. That was an ugly game. But, but again, it's not because the running back was elite. It was the defense really just not getting something down. There was something just kind of off about that game. Um, you look at the Panthers, I mean, you, you could 108 yards on, you know, 20 carries, so over five yards a carry. Seems decent, but also remember they had Kyle Allen. Christian McCaffrey was the whole team. Packers did fine, especially through the air. Six receptions for 33 yards. McCaffrey had one touchdown in that game. So I, I guess the point is, I think just generalizing that the run defense overall is terrible is close, but a little bit off the mark. Because there are other games where the run defense was ridiculously good. Again, Week 16 against the Vikings was insane. They got 139 total yards. Actually, I was reading that wrong. The Redskins didn't get a lot of yards. But, you know, Chicago got 46 yards. Detroit, 56. Minnesota, 57. The Chiefs, 88. And that's when they didn't have Pat Mahomes, so you got to lean on the run a little bit. The Giants with Saquon Barkley had 95 yards. The Chicago Bears, again, 96. It's not that bad. They did fine against Seattle. So, yeah, they fell apart against the 49ers. 285 rushing yards is abysmal. Against the Eagles, 176 yards. That was a bad game. No question about it. The Vikings, again, that was an outlier because of the 75-yard run. Outside of that, it wasn't that bad. The Chargers game was ugly. But it, it, first of all, as I've said, one of the bigger issues is the offensive line more so than the running back. The defensive line, including the edge, right, the, the defensive front, had a really hard time keeping up with very, very good, well-coordinated, very talented offensive lines like the 49ers, like the Eagles, um, Chargers are a bit of an outlier there, but it, it was just a struggle. The bottom line is they just kind of had their number. And as I've said a thousand times, I think it's more of a cerebral thing. I think Mike Pett needs to drill some stuff. What is your responsibility making sure? Because they have the talent and athleticism to do whatever it is they know they need to do. But if you watch them and watch the hesitance, they look like they didn't know what they're doing against the 49ers. I did a whole video on it. If you look at how spread out everybody is, like, wh- what are you guys even doing? It was not a well-coordinated, disciplined defense. It's not a talent issue, and especially against the um, Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, come on, man. Look, being afraid of being beat up on the ground is a real thing. I'm worried about the 49ers for sure. I don't know if they're going to get any better. But the Jaguars, why? They don't have an offensive line. I mean, Listen, Fournette's a talented dude, and if he gets rumbling, yeah, he could put a hurt on you. No question. If we're having trouble, you know, if he's getting to the edge or, you know, we're soft in the middle, he's got the ability to destroy you. But again, it's it's I, I think you need to look at it a little bit more critically and, and just throwing out this blanket statement, the Packers are terrible against the run. No, not all the time. It's not just every single game you know you're going to struggle against the run and hopefully we can compensate for that in other ways because they can never stop the run. That's just false. That's not true. There are issues with the Packers' ability to stop the run. But again, because I don't think it's a talent issue, and I think it's more of a mental issue, especially with guys that, again, Zadarius, it was his first year there. Preston, it was his first year there. Rashawn, it was his first year there. Even the most advanced guys, it's only their second year under Mike Pettin. And they're still shuffling guys around, giving guys different responsibilities. Blake was constantly shifting compared to what he used to do. Now he's, he's being asked to do different things. He talked about how complicated that is. So... 
you know, hoping that whatever the issues were get corrected is reasonable. Throwing out the blanket statement that the Packers are garbage against the run, therefore they're going to lose to the Jaguars because they have Leonard Fournette is wrong on about 14 different levels. I'm more worried about the trio of Minshew, LaVisca Chenault, and DJ Chark than I am about their running ability. I'm more worried about the resurgence of Tyler Eifert, <laughs> who they picked up. This is a bad team, dude. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, again, I'll leave whoever that writer was alone. The point is, we got to stop just throwing that blanket statement out there and start qualifying a little bit. There were issues, but it's not just a blanket issue that they're just bad at it. No, they're not all just bad all the time. Every Amos is good against the run. I think Savage could be real good against the run. I, you know, um, Preston historically was good against the run. Wasn't super great last year, but he's, he's a big, strong, edge-setting kind of edge rusher. Kenny Clark, good against the run. Dean sometimes can be kind of good against the run. Zadarius does a decent job against the run. It's not that they struggle individually. It's that they got to learn how to work as a unit. When you look at really good run defenses, it looks like there's 80 guys on the field. Every, everywhere you go, there's just nowhere to go. When you looked at the Packers, when they were struggling, not all the time, sometimes the Packers looked like that. Everyone just kind of converged on the area. They destroyed the people in front of them. But when you get a really talented, well-coordinated offensive line, and then you look at the pack, it looks like they're trying to you know, stop a run game when there's four defensive players, 18 offensive linemen, out on an airport tarmac. Like, there's just so much space to cover. Too many guys blocking. I, 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 again, I remember watching the, the, the game against the 49ers and just saying, I don't know how you stop that. There's not enough human beings on the Packers' defense to stop all this. I mean, there's four guys up front. You got one guy off the backside trying to stop a cutback, so that's where he needs to be. You got this guy being blocked by this guy, this guy being double teamed, and that guy being pushed over there. There's like five holes the running back can run through, and I don't know how you fix that. That's what a good offensive line can do to you. And conversely, the exact opposite happens when you got a bad offensive line and a really talented, well-coordinated defense. It looks like there's about 18 defensive players and five blockers, and it's like, well, how, how in the world does anybody run in the NFL? Why doesn't everybody just do that? It's about knowing your job. It's about reacting and doing the right thing at the right time. It's about knowing your assignments, knowing what the guys next to you are supposed to be doing, and just being aggressive. And again, the Packers have the talent. They just got to get that coordination down. They got to practice that. And again, especially against really, you know, the Eagles offensive line, these guys are really talented. The 49ers offensive line is ridiculous, but they've got to do a better job. And I think they will. But either way, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about the Jaguars. Come on, man. Anyways, I'm going to get going. Um, as I said, I'm not planning on doing episodes this weekend. I can't promise necessarily anything on Monday because I also have Monday off. Um, hopefully, I'll be home at some point on Monday, but I don't know. We'll see. But anyways, you folks, have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.